Christos anestes. That's the Greek for he is risen. It literally means Christ is standing. Christ is upright. Christ is alive. He's not laid out in a tomb somewhere. Christ is alive. And we are celebrating that here at Hope. I can't believe this is the second year that we aren't together physically for this celebration of Easter. But we are still here celebrating. You know, some folks have asked, when is the church going to be reopening? And I always say, the church never closed. We have continued to be in ministry this whole time. Our children's ministries have gone on, youth ministries have gone on, our small groups, our service ministries. We've worshiped every Sunday since the beginning of the pandemic, haven't missed one Sunday. And in fact, our attendance has even grown over these weeks uh, and months since uh, the beginning of the pandemic. For some folks, this works really well. It allows folks from out of state to be able to join us. It allows people who are, are traveling to be with us in worship even though they can't physically be here. And so we'll continue to have online worship even as we open up physically. Hopefully in June, we're hoping that we're gonna be able to begin in-person worship in June, but stay tuned for more information about that. The church has continued on. In fact, uh, just last week we had our third graders who received their Bibles here at Hope and that was exciting. On Wednesday, we welcomed new members into the church. I guess you could say that Hope is alive and well. And that would be a great title actually for an Easter message. Hope is alive and well. You know, Easter is not a myth. It's not some made up story. It's not an allegory about new beginnings. It is an historical event with a great deal of historical evidence to point to the reality of the resurrection of Jesus. But we don't celebrate just because this historical event happened. We celebrate Easter because of the significance in our lives. Every day, ordinary walking around life has changed because of the resurrection of Jesus. You know, the message of the resurrection, the message of Jesus, answers some of life's most profound questions. There's lots of ways to talk about the resurrection story, but this morning I wanna talk about some of the profound questions that every human being at some point in her life or his life asks, and Jesus answers those questions. So for example, the question of where did I come from? Where did I come from? Jesus reminds us of the account of Genesis, that in the beginning, God created. God created. God created all that is, and that we are created by him and in his image, and Jesus, bears witness to the fact that we in our humanness are made in the image of God. That God loves us and is with us. That God desires to be in relationship with every human being. Jesus bears witness to all of that 
in his presence. Jesus also answers the question, what went wrong? What went wrong? All of us at times in our lives are asking that question, maybe in a different way, you know, like why are things such a mess? Why is there so much anger? Why is there so much violence? Why is there war? Why is there suffering? Why is there abuse and death and fear? And Jesus reminds us that at the heart of all of this is sin. It sounds so simple, but it's so profoundly true. If you go back to the beginning, to the Genesis story, with the first man and the first woman, and God put them in this beautiful planet and said, it's all yours. And then said this, the one thing that I don't want you to do is to eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. It wasn't about an apple. It was about eating of this fruit. And he said, if you do, you will die. But the tempter came along and said, actually, you won't die. In fact, what will happen is you will become like God. You won't need God because you will be God. And that was the fall. And like a virus, it spread. You know, we've learned a lot about viruses, haven't we, over this past year? Probably more than we actually ever wanted to know. A virus is this kind of foreign agent that gets into the body, attaches itself to a healthy cell, and then distorts the DNA of that cell, and then begins to replicate and replicate and replicate and replicate, and it does damage to the cell and everything around it, and as it spreads, it causes the host to get sick, the body to become sick. Sin works like that only in a spiritual kind of way. Sin, like that foreign agent, attaches itself to the human operating system. If you were with us last week, you heard me talking about this idea of the human operating system, which is our character. It's the human character, it's our, it's our inner character that informs everything that we do, all the things that we believe and think and say and, and how we behave and so forth, all comes out of our character. And so this sin virus attaches itself to God or uh, to, our, to our character. And the result of that is a distortion within the human character. One of the ways it distorts it is we engage in a kind of self-worship. We ignore God, we reject God because we believe we are God. All the way back to that first sin, right? We believe that we are 
like God. And so I can live my life on my own terms. I am the master of my own destiny. I don't need God's rules and direction and so forth. I do what I want to do, how I want to do it, because I'm in charge. It's a kind of self-worship. The other distortion that can happen because of the sin virus is a kind of self-loathing. I am unworthy. There is no good thing about me. I am not worthy of having good things in my life. I'm ugly, I'm awful. It's a self-loathing. Failing to see ourselves the way that God sees us as people of sacred worth, people who are loved and eternal. You know, we see this happen in our lives, this kind of destruction, this kind of um, virus, if you will, at work in our lives. We've seen the destruction of what a physical virus can do over this past year, haven't we? We've seen how it spreads, and particularly this one, that it went all around the world. And it was devastating. The work of this virus, which made people sick, cost people jobs, all kinds of loss, and fear, and isolation, and death. You know, I had this sad responsibility of doing a funeral last week, and I was talking to the funeral director about his experience with the pandemic and, and how it was looking for his work. And he said it was horrific. It's been horrific. The number of people who have died. He said on one day, they had to make nine trips to a single home for the elderly to pick up deceased people. Nine people in one day in one facility. You know, a sin virus is more subtle, but is just as destructive. It's the reason for our broken world. Under the old covenant, people would try to cleanse themselves of this sin virus through a series of cleansing rituals, washing their hands, washing their heads, avoiding places where there were high concentration of sin virus, and a sacrificial system where they would lay their sin on an innocent animal and with the slaughter of that animal, their sins were forgiven because the wage of sin is death and that animal would substitute for them. Like living a life, they were like living their lives in a state of a perpetual pandemic. And all the while they were waiting for the Messiah waiting for the one who was promised who would come and deliver them from the sin virus. And the prophets of old talked about this coming Messiah. 
like in the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. In the 53rd chapter, if you read that chapter, you will see described Jesus, this suffering servant who was despised and rejected, who we failed to esteem. This suffering servant would be the Messiah. And in Isaiah 53, the prophet says that we all like sheep have gone astray. Why have we gone astray? Because of that sin virus that leads us away from the shepherd, away from God. And then he says, but the sin of us all will be laid upon him. Our iniquity, our sin laid on him. That's Jesus. Jesus is the one that Isaiah predicted. As we fast forward after the resurrection and the church is growing, the number of followers of Christ is increasing and the apostle Paul is writing to the churches. He writes to the Roman church that in Jesus' death we die. That in other words, as we accept Christ, that his death on the cross becomes our Death, the old operating system, affected, infected by the sin virus, died with him. And just as we die with him, we are raised to new life with him. Jesus, friends, becomes our vaccine. He is the vaccination against sin. And so we have no more need of the old cleansing rituals. We have been injected through his sacrifice and made new. You know, Marilyn and I were um, vaccinated. And I gotta tell you, when we got the second shot, it felt liberating. Right? People were telling us that when you get the second shot that you may feel flu-like symptoms and Marilyn was saying, I've never felt so good about feeling bad before. Right? But here's the thing, a vaccine is of no value until you're vaccinated. Until the serum actually goes into your body and begins to do its work of eliminating the virus. The same is true with Jesus taking on human sin. That vaccine is of no value until you receive it into your soul, into your character, into your operating system. The good news is that it's even easier to get that vaccine than it is to get the one for COVID. You don't have to find websites, you don't have to make appointments. It's as simple as a prayer. 
And if you have never prayed this prayer, friend, I want to encourage you to pray it this morning. And it's simply this. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that you are the Messiah, the promised one. I accept you into my life. Lord, please heal me of this sin virus and begin the reforming work within my character to make me the man, to make me the woman that you dream for me to be. Jesus is that vaccine. You know, I said he answers the big questions of our lives. Where did I come from? What's gone wrong? And the third question that Jesus answers is, where am I going? Where is my life going? Where am I being led? You know, when Jesus was here, he called people to follow him. He didn't call them to follow them to a place, but he called them to join him in an adventure. And as you read the gospel accounts, man, what an adventure they had. Their lives were enriched beyond measure as they followed Jesus. And the same is true of our lives today. You know, I began following Jesus at 19 years old. And it has been an amazing adventure. There have been times of mountaintop experiences and there have been times of dark valleys. But always, always knowing that Jesus was with me, that my life had meaning and purpose. And ultimately, we have the promise of an eternal life that life doesn't end at the grave, that because of Christ and because of the reforming work that he does within us, he makes us right so that we might stand before a holy God, not because of our own righteousness, but because of the work that Jesus did on that cross, delivering us from spiritual death and welcoming us into eternal life. Friends, Christ is risen. He is alive. Your hope is alive. And if you have accepted Christ you can say the words, Christos Anestes. And they're more than just interesting Greek words. They tell the deep truth for you, that Christ is risen. He has reprogrammed, is reprogramming your inner operating system. And he is taking you on an adventure through this life and into the life to come. 
May your Easter this year be blessed.